You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. A youth pastor in Wisconsin was found guilty of five felony counts last week. Five felony counts of what? I'm not going to say, but I will say that they're exactly what you think they are. A youth pastor in Texas arrested last week for online solicitation. I'm not going to say what he was soliciting for or whether the person he was soliciting that from was old enough to drink or vote or drive because you know or you guessed and guessed correctly. A youth pastor in rural Ohio was arrested last week. All this happened in just the last week for exactly what you might think he was arrested for, as was another youth pastor in Wisconsin and a youth pastor and his wife in North York, Ontario. And a youth pastor in Florida wanted to mix things up, keep us on our toes. He got arrested last week, but not for felony assault of a child or soliciting a minor or statutory rape. Nope. Youth pastor Tyler Earl Etheridge got arrested in Colorado Springs for taking part in the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. From the Christian Post, Etheridge helped remove fencing before entering the building. He posted several videos of himself on social media documenting his actions. In one, he said, I'm probably going to lose my job as a youth pastor after this. Well, we'll see. There are people out there who didn't lose their precious youth pastor gigs after doing a lot worse. And if you're wondering, listeners, why it took the FBI more than a year to arrest Etheridge, it was because they only got the tip from someone at the Bible college Etheridge was attending in Colorado Springs. They only got that tip last week. So yeah, looks like maybe the January 6th hearings are having an impact. Anyway, those were the youth pastors in the news over the last week. I don't have enough time at the top of this week's show or any week's show to include all the pastors, senior pastors, and church elders who got arrested or charged or sentenced. But for the 11 billionth time, if kids got raped by clowns as often as they get raped by preachers, it would be against the law to take your kid to the circus. And they'd run the circus out of town. There is one regular old adult pastor, 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 who made the news last week that I want to mention, the Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson. He's a proponent of what's called muscular Christianity. That's Christianity for people who think regular old Christianity is too feminine with all that turn the other cheek and love thy neighbor stuff. Muscular Christianity is the Christianity for people who think regular Christianity isn't patriarchal enough It's for people who look at the amount of misogyny and homophobia in regular Christianity and think, more, more of that, please. Reverend Peterson is a leading light, a thought leader in what's known as the online manosphere. Sounds dirty, and it is about to get dirty. Reverend Peterson, of course, is a homophobe because, yeah, of course he's a homophobe. And as the Daily Beast reported last week, This rabidly homophobic pastor of a rabidly homophobic church involved in leading a rabidly homophobic movement. Can you guess? You got it. His homophobia was, as it always is, an effort to externalize an internal conflict. To say someone is externalizing an internal conflict is a polite way of saying someone is sucking all the dick. Numerous men, adult men, members of his church have come forward to say that Reverend Peterson was having sex with them. The Daily Beast reports that in one case, the affair went on for 10 years. There were a couple of tells along the way, a couple of warning signs, in addition to just being a homophobe. Reverend Peterson was an opponent of, yeah, gay marriage, abortion, comprehensive sex education, all that. But Reverend Peterson also opposed women having orgasms. Probably not a fan of women having the vote either, but he believed that women having orgasms, that that was dangerous and that women should not have orgasms. The Daily Beast, again, reports, Peterson claimed that a woman who orgasms during sex is somehow becoming a man, a practice he frowns on. Hmm. Was he frowning or was he wishing? Whatever he was doing, 
Reverend Peterson spared himself the hard work of getting a woman off and turning her into a man and just went out and found a man, a whole bunch of men instead. Another tell, Reverend Peterson's ministry was a California-based brotherhood organization known as Bond. There was a Bond house in LA where Peterson lived with other male members of the, quote, Bond Brotherhood. Hey, straight guys, a quick word. If the name of your pastor's ministry could also be the name of a gay BDSM bondage fetish night in a club in Berlin, Bond, this Friday at the Bergen, that guy wants to fuck you. And if that guy's telling you not to make women come, that guy wants to make you come. And if that guy invites you to come live with him in his fetish club, excuse me, in his secret tree fort ministry for boys only, no girls allowed, he wants to fuck you. You can't trust that guy around you or your dick. Just like if some guy tells you he wants to be a youth pastor, you can't trust that guy around youth or our democratic process. But hey, whatever else all these icky pastors are guilty of, whatever crimes they've committed, however much they've violated the trust placed in them by their dupes, sorry, their marks, eh, sorry, their cash pigs, no, no, that's not it either. Sorry, they're faithfully tithing parishioners who are willing to hand over 10% of their incomes. At least none of these guys pulled on a dress and read a book to a child. Because that would be wrong. All right, coming up on the Lovecast on the micro. Tons of your cues, lots of my A's. And on the Magnum edition of the Savage Lovecast that you can subscribe to at savage.love. Twice as much show, more questions, more answers, more guests, and no ads. Author and podcaster Lola Phoenix joins me. Her new book, The Anxious Person's Guide to Non-Monogamy, is out now. And Lola is here to take with me some of my listener questions about their polyamorous or non-monogamous relationships. Also out now, out every Tuesday, my sex advice column, Savage Love, which you can find at my website, savage.love slash savagelove. All right, let's get to this week's calls. Support for today's show, support we are very grateful for, comes from Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, you can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk in your own home, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just click print mail and you are done. It could not be easier. And right now, use Savage for this special offer. Includes up to 55 bucks worth of free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. Do not wait. Go to stamps.com and before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Savage. That's stamps.com. Enter S A V A G E. This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep, the best mattress for your individualized comfort. Right now, my listeners get up to $200 off all mattress orders at helixsleep.com slash savage. This episode is brought to you by DoorDash. Right now, my listeners get 50% off your first order of up to $15 value. Use promo code SAVAGE at checkout when you spend $12 or more. Terms apply. Dan, I'm a mid-30s female. I'm bisexual, female preferring, living in Florida. And I'm calling because I would like a little bit of feedback about how to handle my relationship with my parents as it applies to me dating women. I recently came out to my conservative mother and she reacted better than I expected, but not as good as I would have wanted, obviously, because of her religious and political beliefs. It was very difficult for her to, I guess, comprehend. And so she actually, one of the biggest things that was hard for her to handle was the fact that I was going to, at some point, probably tell the rest of the family who was also all conservative and also very very religious. She asked that I not do that. And at some point, like I said, I am going to bring my partner home if I stay serious with this person. And I can't choose between my partner and my family during holidays. It's going to eventually come to that um, if I don't tell them. And then my family is going to ask her questions. So my mom will have to address the situation and she will either have to make up a lie or something. And it seems to be like one of these things where my mom doesn't understand. And what she's saying is she doesn't want to be preached at. And that's her reason why. But what she doesn't seem to understand also is that I've been hearing all the stuff I don't want to hear from her when I, before I told her about how gay people should, you know, keep their 
romantic interests to themselves. They shouldn't hold hands in public when it makes other people uncomfortable and those sorts of things. And she, you know, she says stuff about wanting straight pride to exist and white pride to exist. And which, by the way, my partner also happens to be black. So at this point, I'm not even really sure if I'm comfortable bringing my partner home. And we've had that discussion as well. So I think my my question to you is, where should I go from here? Because I'm surprised at my mom's positive reaction. I'm surprised at her lack of yelling and anything like that. But I also would like to express to her and make her understand the fact that she, if she needs me to be in her life in the future and my partner who is not white, that she will need to let me share this information with the family regardless of how they feel about it. And this situation is not about her. So you were surprised by your mom's positively, relatively speaking, reaction to your coming out. It's possible that your mom is making similar assumptions uh, about the rest of the family, similar to the assumption that you made about her, that she would have a bad reaction to you coming out. And your mom is turning around and assuming that the rest of the family will have a bad reaction to you coming out. And that's possible. Also possible that the rest of the family will surprise your mother in the same way that your mother surprised you. There's only one way to find out, though, and that's to come out to the whole fucking family. And what do you risk here? If you come out to your whole fucking family and you wind up estranged from your whole fucking family and your mom, what have you lost? A bunch of homophobic, religious bigot, racist, awful people that you probably don't want in your queer life and certainly don't want to inflict on your black girlfriend. So, yeah, you won't have lost anything that you wouldn't want to lose. You won't have lost anything that if you were at sea, you wouldn't want to throw the fuck overboard anyway. I do think, however, you know, I came out decades ago to my religious parents, to my mom first. And one of the things, I don't think I've really ever talked about this in the show. One of the things my mom asked for was a little bit of time before I started telling the rest of the family. And then I have talked about this. Then we got into a situation where I had told some siblings, but not other siblings told some aunts, but not other aunts, one uncle, but not other uncles. And it was my mother who got to a point who, who said to me that I needed to come out to everybody because she couldn't keep track anymore. And I was out to her and not out to my father. And that was creating problems. And my mother, who was a very wise and intuitive person, sat me down one day and said, "It's you're not coming out of the closet. You're yanking people into the closet with you. And it sucks. The closet sucks. I get it now. Because I had forced my mom to be closeted about me being gay. But there was a you know a couple of weeks at the beginning, a month, where she just said, give me a minute before you start telling other people. And I did. I gave her a minute before I started telling other people one at a time and swearing them to secrecy. And that ultimately was a problem. So I would meet your mother who surprised you by being a little bit more gracious about you being bi than you expected her to be. Give her that in return. Say, okay, I'm going to wait. I'm not waiting forever. I'm going to give you a month or two to process this, get used to it. Ask me any questions. Don't worry. No filters. Go ahead and ask the offensive questions and don't hold your mother's reaction against you or those questions against her. Answer her questions until she's sick of listening to you talk about queer shit and then tell her, well, all right, now I'm changing my Facebook. People still have Facebook. Do people still have Facebook? I hope not. You're changing your relationship status thingy job on Facebook and you're coming out about being in a same-sex relationship and about who your girlfriend is. And I hope, I hope your mother by that point has come around. When I finally came out to everybody in the family, my mom, who never wanted to meet a boyfriend and needed time and had concerns, she made it very clear to my large, extended, working-class Irish Catholic family that anyone who had a problem with me had a much bigger problem with her. Maybe your mom will get there. Maybe your mom 
won't. She's already somewhere you didn't expect her to be, a little better about it than you expected. So I think you can live in hope. And then maybe your mom will run interference with the rest of your shitty family. And if she doesn't, if your mom backslides, if she retaliates against you emotionally because she just wanted you to never share this dirty, awful secret about you with anybody else, if the rest of your family is shitty and awful to you, well, then your choices about holidays, Christmas, whatever, are obvious. Our only leverage when we're an adult child with our families of origin, uh, you know, the only way we can pressure them to treat us with kindness and compassion and love is by threatening to withdraw ourselves from their lives. Our only leverage over our adult parents and family when we are adults is our presence. And if they can't treat you with respect and love and kindness and compassion, and that would require them to get over their homophobia and bullshit and then treat your girlfriend the same way, which would require them to get over their white pride bullshit, white pride parade bullshit, don't see them. And then light a little candle every day to thank God for making you a queer if that's what it took to get all of these shitty people that you happen to be related to out of your life and then free you, free up emotional time and space for you to create a family of choice that loves you and your partner for who you both are. Hey, Dan, is it possible to cheat in plain sight? I'm a 62-year-old cishet man who recently broke up with a little bit older than me by woman with whom I was with for four years. We were in a monogamous relationship, but we're discussing the idea of opening up. In our ending, the deal breaker was a date she had with two others that she told me about in advance, but characterized as a boudoir photo shoot and not as a straight up date for sex in which the other two would be fucking while my partner enjoyed the afternoon in the, in the room with them as a voyeur. I was upset because of what I thought was a purposeful mischaracterization of what the intent of the date was, plus the unilateral decision she made to participate in the first place rather than making it a joint decision we did together. The net result of this was I felt managed by her and didn't feel she was entirely forthcoming with me. She, in turn, was furious with me because she felt she had given advanced knowledge and was in no way obligated to do more than that. She felt that any make making decisions together or requests of mine for emotional reassurance about our relationship was codependent bullshit. This way of talking about opening up our relationship was shocking to me, actually, because we hadn't ever talked this way to each other before, nor talked in this way about opening up our relationship. At the time, I chalked it up to heat of the moment stuff. When people argue, right, stuff gets said that needs to be apologized for so the relationship can repair and we can come back together into the loving relationship I believed us to have. As it turned out, however, while I was the one who apologized for my side of the street, she never did, saying she hadn't done anything wrong and therefore had nothing to apologize for. Now that I've had enough hindsight on what happened to us in the end, I see pretty clearly that by the time she scheduled the date with her two friends, she had already decided that our relationship wasn't what she wanted anymore. But here's the thing. She hadn't ever said anything to me, much less initiated a conversation about our relationship in an attempt to address whatever the issues might have been. She kept it to herself and went on with our relationship as if nothing was the matter. So in the end, I see that the date with her two friends was essentially a way for her to step out on me. But through a combination of bad faith and an attempt at gaslighting it as entirely ethical because she had told me in advance, I'm looking at this combination of things as tantamount to cheating in plain sight. What do you think, Dan? Do I have a point here? Or am I being some sort of naive codependent and I need to find a 12-step meeting to attend? It's a little hard to track exactly what was going on. Your ex-girlfriend you two had been discussing the possibility at some point of opening the relationship, and she told you she had a date to go to somebody else's, some other couple's boudoir photo session. And in reality, that turned out to be a sexual and erotic experience for her. Maybe she was masturbating while she was watching them get their 
photos taken or maybe, you know, being watched by her was crucial to their enjoyment of whatever it was that they were doing that whoever it was that the photographer was photographing. But yeah, if she didn't tell you exactly what it was or make you aware of just how erotic or sensual an experience this was going to be for her and how involved she was going to be in the erotics and and the sex going on in that moment. Okay, well, yeah, she hid that from you and maybe she wanted out of the relationship and this was her engineering her way out, her demonstrating to you that she didn't care about your feelings. In which case, great, great that the relationship's over. You needed to get out of this relationship. And Sounds like she said some things that she refused to apologize for, or you said some shitty things and she refused to accept your apology. Okay, it's over. It's over. And you can obsess about whether she did or didn't give you an opportunity to highlight whatever the issues were in the relationship that were making her so unhappy that she no longer prioritized your feelings or your comfort, or didn't feel the need to disclose to you exactly what was going to go on in that photo shoot because she wanted out anyway, and so she just wanted to avoid that awkward conversation. Ah, I'm over-talking it. You're over-thinking it. It's over. Was she cheating in plain sight? Sure, if it makes you feel better. And and I don't disagree if she said, I'm going to go do this thing, this kind of dirty thing, and you're not invited and then she claimed that because she let you know she was going to go do that thing and you didn't put screw and screw together and realize just how sexual a thing that was she was going off to do. Yeah, and then it gave her butt cover to say, I I told you and you're not allowed to be upset. You're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to be upset even if she's allowed to turn around and say, hey, you should have realized, you should have known what it was I was doing here. All right, now I'm done thinking about this. I'm talking about this for three minutes. I'm done. This relationship is over. Go find a new partner, a new girlfriend, and stop trying to parse who is right, who is wrong. It's over. It's all you need to know. Go forth, find a new girlfriend, find a new sex partner, have some new fun. All right, finally, summer is on. We don't have air conditioning at my house. So now that it's hot in Seattle, I am so very grateful that we have a Helix mattress. We tend to get hot in the night and our Helix helps keep us cool. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. With Helix, you're getting a mattress that you know will be perfect for the way you sleep. They have several different mattress models to choose from, soft, medium, and firm. Mattress is great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Mattress is great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains, and even a Helix Plus for plus-sized sleepers. And bless them, they design their mattresses with sex in mind, so these mattresses can handle pretty much anything you want to try on them, anything you want to throw at them. Oh my God, if my Helix mattress could only talk. When we first got ours, we were matched with the Midnight Lux model, and we love it. The only thing I dislike about traveling is leaving my mattress behind. I love, love, love how easy it was. The mattress comes right to your door, shipped for free. Just go to helixsleep.com slash savage, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they will match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try out your new mattress for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it. But you know what? You're going to love it. Helix also has financing options and flexible payment plans. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com savage. That's helixsleep.com savage. Hey, Dan. So I am calling to get some advice for um, a friend of mine. She came to me for advice, and I'm kind of stuck as to what to tell her other than just telling her to go to therapy. So pretty much the case is that she is newly married. Her husband is a trans man who comes from a family like South Texas who don't really accept him, calls him by his dead name. 
Um, he's had a lot of trauma in the past with that, and he's kind of like really hard-headed and refuses to go to therapy for all of his issues. But anyway, the the thing that came up the other night when we were all drinking is that he enjoys very violent sex, kind of crossing the line to the point of consensual non-consent, but kind of without the consent part. And I guess it's something that he's done in the past. And that type of thing is something that he's into, but she's not into at all. And it's like a hard, hard limit for her. And she came to me and she is saying that she's worried that he's going to resent her for this. Um, I know that he would never cheat to get it elsewhere. Um, and she knows that too. And that's why she thinks that after time that he's just going to keep resenting her um, over it. And so, you know, I told her the thing is like, well, you need to, you know, go to therapy together. He needs to work on his issues. You know, maybe you guys could find some sort of common ground that kind of dips into it, but you're still comfortable. Is there anything else I could tell her to help her with this? I mean, I'm kind of like on the other side of it where like the CNC side where I've had experience with that, but I'm not sure when it comes to him and his kind of lack of getting the actual consent part. He's a really good person. I hope I'm not making him sound like shit. Um, I'm sure I don't know the whole story, but it's just what came out when we were all drinking, and I just really want to help my friends out. Consensual non-consent without the consent part is violence. It's rape. It's sexual assault. So, yeah... There are people who will put themselves in circumstances where sex is happening and it is dramatic and rough and they're kind of rolling with it, whether they're the dom in that scene or the sub in that scene. And sometimes people just go for it. And I don't think people should. I think people should use their words. But there are cases, there are times in our lives where shit just explodes and we're rolling with it. And so I just, I guess what I'm saying is I don't want to pathologize your friend's boyfriend too much. Maybe they've had experiences where they were just reading someone right and they were engaged in a kind of nonverbal consensual non-verbally consented to consensual non-consent scenario and got a taste for it. There are some people out there who are into Dom sub shit who think talking about it in advance ruins it. I think those people are crazy because if you don't talk about it in advance and you guess wrong, particularly if you are the Dom or the, as you describe it, violent person in that encounter, you could wind up, really traumatizing someone. You could wind up committing a crime. You could wind up, and rightfully so, having your ass tossed in jail. All because you didn't want to use your words. All because you thought it was sexier for that kind of DS, violent, power exchange sex to happen, quote-unquote, naturally or spontaneously. So, yeah, I think your friend's boyfriend needs to get his ass into therapy and see a sex positive counselor. If he won't, okay, then it sounds like your friend feels guilty that she can't provide her boyfriend with the kind of sexual experiences that he wants most. And I infer from that that there has been some conversation between them about the kind of sex he really likes and the kind of sex that they have together and the gap between those two things. So they are using their words to some extent, they need to use more of their words than they have been, maybe with a, a, a therapist or a counselor. I'm glad your friend is standing their ground. You know, if you aren't into ravishment, if you aren't into consensual non-consent, which is sometimes called rape play, rape role play, people are less comfortable with that label now. A lot of people call this ravishment play because, you know, when you're ravished, you are overwhelmed and taken by someone that you really want to overwhelm and take you. So it, you agree not to use your words in that moment and they get to pretend they're just taking you, but you've indicated to them that that's fine with you and you have a safe word and you have a way out. And, you know, that kind of play is play that you should engage in with a known partner 
that you trust, who's already demonstrated to you that they can read your physical cues, your nonverbal cues, as you role play that scenario where one person is taking and another person is being taken and gives off some signs that they're being taken against their will. That's a kind of theater for two with your pants off and hard-ons and wet pussies, and that's fine. But that is some varsity-level shit. That is some potentially traumatizing shit if people are, you know, their judgment is impaired by drugs or alcohol or they just don't know what the fuck they're doing and don't know how to course correct as they read somebody else's cues about what really is a a no, no, and what's a no, no, please, no, don't. Uh, this whole situation makes me really uncomfortable. Your friend, I'm worried for your friend that she is identifying with the boyfriend's needs, that she feels like she's letting him down or failing him, prioritizing his needs over hers when his needs in this instance, or his wants, his desires, not needs, involve a kind of sex play that your friend not only isn't into and isn't a place I think someone who wants to be GGG can go, good giving and game for anything within reason. CNC, consensual non-consent, is a kink too far. It falls outside the within reason limit to being game. And your friend is going to have to not identify with her boyfriend's needs or prioritize her boyfriend's wants and needs over her own. And this may mean that they are not sexually compatible, that they're not right for each other. And you say that your friend doesn't want, doesn't want him to put in a position where he's going to cheat. But my God, if this is what he wants, then... I hope he would, with your friend's consent, if he has to have it and she wants him to have it and can't do it, she would encourage him to not cheat, but to go get that shit elsewhere. But not go get it elsewhere until he is ready to use his words, to get consent before engaging in consensual non-consent play. Because the absence of taking consent of consensual non-consent, literally consent is name-checked twice in consensual non-consent. Consent is important and it has to be there, has to be present. It has to be given, asked for. Oh, yeah. Dude needs therapy. And your friend needs to be told that if she wants to end the relationship for this reason, because they're fundamentally sexually incompatible, that is a legitimate reason to end this relationship. Doesn't mean she can't be this dude's friend. Doesn't mean they can't love each other still, but they might not be right for each other. And if he's not willing to talk about this with someone, then he might not be in good enough working order to be in a relationship in the first place with her or anyone else. For those of you out there running a small business, my hat is off to you. It is hard, hard work. And small business owners are some of the busiest people I know. One good time management trick known by small business owners all over the world and a trick I recommend is using stamps.com. Stamps.com makes mailing and shipping easy and cost effective. Stamps.com will save you time, money, and stress. For more than 20 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, big and small. Stamps.com gives you access to all the post office and UPS shipping services you need right from your computer. And you'll get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 30% off USPS rates and 86% off UPS. Streamline your shipping process with Stamps.com's easy-to-use software. All you need is your regular computer and a printer. No special supplies or equipment. You're up and running with Stamps.com in minutes, printing official postage for any letter, any package that you can send anywhere you need to send it. Plus, Stamps.com seamlessly works with Shopify, Amazon, Etsy, eBay, and more. So, whether you're an office sending out invoices, an Etsy shop sending your products out there into the world, or a warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com is your mailing and shipping solution. Stop wasting time. Start saving money when you use Stamps.com to mail and ship. Sign up with promo code SAVAGE for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage 
and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com and click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and enter the code SAVAGE. Hey, Dan, 33-year-old cis female calling with a question. So I have been dating a guy for the past three months or so. It's a short-term relationship. I was recently out of a relationship. You know, he's leaving town. We both agreed, let's just have a summer fling, and it's been great. And early on in our dating, I expressed to him the desire to try to be more dominant in the bedroom. Like, nothing too kinky, not really into, like, degradation or, you know, anything too extreme, but just kind of adopting a persona that's more in the realm of, like, goddess worship. You know, he wants me so badly and I'm won't let him have it, kind of teasing, uh, more of kind of that realm of, of a femdom scenario. And he was totally down. The problem is he's been suffering from ED. And so I've not really known how to initiate or explore this kind of dominant side of myself when I think a pivotal part of the turn-on is the desire of my partner and me kind of not letting them have it. And a manifestation of that desire is being hard. And I want to explore this with him. I mean, you know, if not with him, someone else. And I might encounter this with someone else. And just curious if you or your listeners have advice on how to fulfill or initiate this kind of play, you know, when like a pivotal part of it, which is your partner's visible arousal is not so, you can't really count on it, I guess. There are a lot of things potentially going on here short of undiagnosed but diagnosable erectile dysfunction. He could certainly get his hands pretty easily on a Viagra prescription and dose himself before your dom sub play scenes. But I'm curious, you say you began dating him and then you began to talk about wanting to explore being the dominant partner, being the goddess. Was this a problem? Did he have a hard time keeping it up before you introduced this dom sub element? I'm not suggesting here that the dom sub play is a turnoff for him and he's not being honest with you. He may indeed be aroused and turned on by this new kind of play, dom sub teasing denial. But when you think about, compare in your head, contrast what you're doing now when you do DS play versus what you were doing before when I assume it wasn't a problem that he wasn't getting hard because he was getting hard. In vanilla sex, maybe there was more skin-to-skin contact. Uh, maybe there was more sort of, you know, rolling around together, and that caused him to be hard. There's some guys' dicks that just go up and down during sex. You know, when you're making out naked, pressed against each other, he's hard. When he's on his knees going down on you and focused on your pleasure, he's soft. Some guys need skin-to-skin, dick-to-something contact to maintain an erection. Were you, when you were having vanilla sex at the outset, at the beginning of this short-term relationship, and congratulations, uh, it sounds like you're having a good short-term relationship, uh, were you engaged in more direct contact that was sort of constant and rolling and that helped him stay hard? And now, you know, he's on the other side of the room, you're not letting him touch you, you're teasing him, you're denying him. Maybe he's aroused, and you just need to use your words to talk about this. Maybe he's aroused, but he needs... Something on his dick or his dick to get and stay hard. That something doesn't have to be you. You're the goddess. You're the dom. In that moment, you can tell him, if you're comfortable with it, to masturbate. You say you're 33 years old. I've often encountered straight people out there who think that if they, you know, they or their partner have to touch themselves during sex, 
if she has to play with her clit to climax during PIV or if he, you know, pulls out for a second and strokes himself for a second or strokes himself to get hard that, oh my God, I don't turn you on enough. Oh my God, you're not aroused enough just by me and from me. And, you know, if you watch a lot of gay porn, which I've done or had a lot of gay sex, which I've had, you just don't see that in gay land. You see a lot of guys uh, when they're having gay sex, playing with their own dick, stroking themselves, diving back in. Maybe that's just all he needs. And if you want to deny him your body, you want to deny him your touch. Maybe if you want to see how aroused he is, you're going to have to order him to touch himself. All that said, you know, it is possible that DS play that, you know, when he was willing to go there because it was something you wanted to explore, it's possible it just doesn't work for him. Maybe it is a boner killer for him and a libido killer for him, which doesn't mean you two can't continue to see each other until you move away or he moves away. I don't remember who's moving away. Somebody's moving away. Uh, it just might mean that this DS uh, kind of sex play, this dominance that you're exploring, you might not be able to explore it with him. That might be something you want to save for your next partner. You order from DoorDash but wish you didn't have to pay delivery fees? Well, now you don't. During summer of Dash Pass, you can save money and enjoy new members-only offers every week on top of a $0, that's zero, zero delivery fee all year round. Say hello to summer savings during the summer of Dash Pass from DoorDash. With $0 delivery fees, exclusive items, and more than 25,000 members-only offers nationwide, Dash Pass by DoorDash has everything you need to make your summer just a little easier. With your Dash Pass by DoorDash membership, you can save an average of 4 to $5 on every order you place for delivery or pickup. That means on average, Dash Pass pays for itself when you order just twice a month. With members-only offers and items dropping every week, you'll have everything you need to make the most out of summer right at your fingertips, and you will save money. And my listeners, save more. My listeners get 50% off your first order up to $15 of value. Use promo code SAVAGE at checkout when you spend $12 or more. That's 50% off your first order up to $15 value when you sign up for DoorDash during Summer of Dash Pass using promo code SAVAGE. Don't forget, let them know the Lovecast sent you the code SAVAGE for 50% off your first order up to $15 value. Dash Pass benefits only on eligible orders that meet the minimum subtotal terms apply. Hi, Dan. Uh, Gay Mail here with a question for the doctor, uh, Dr. Dan. Hey, um, the other night I had a date with my friend who was very excited because he had purchased a 10-inch vibrating strap-on uh, we were both excited. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. I certainly enjoyed it. Um, we had a great date. But the question comes on the next day. I, I literally found myself having to run to the restroom every hour. I probably went like 15 times the next day. And uh, it wasn't anything painful, but it was just a reaction I've never had before. And I had tried to clean myself out and be prepared. But uh, anyway, I'm just curious. I think that's my body reacting, but I just want to make sure that I'm not doing anything to hurt myself. And if that's just a natural reaction, then my other question is, well, is there something I could have done to prepare myself better? Um, like I said, I did clean myself out pretty carefully. I feel like I should start writing short kind of Agatha Christie mysteries about sex where the giant vibrating dildo is the obvious suspect but in the end Hercule Perot comes in and says it was the ham sandwich and points to the hams what are the odds here what are the odds that this giant vibrating dildo caused you to have gastrointestinal distress for a whole day or you ate something coincidentally the day before that upset your stomach or you picked up a little bug on your way to the giant vibrating dildo that seems just as likely but there's a definitely a way we could figure this out oh also i want to note quickly i am not a doctor but i am a bit of a 
sex logician. And I've talked to, to enough scientists and sex researchers over the years to confidently say, your data set is really small and your sample is small. And when it comes to science uh, and research, you want to be able to replicate a study. So go sit on that giant vibrating dildo again. And if you have the exact same reaction again, well, then there's something about your guts that a giant vibrating dildo shakes all sorts of things loose or relaxes all sorts of muscles that usually aren't relaxed for you for the next 24 hours. But I suspect, I suspect, and I think Hercule Perot would agree with me, that it was the ham sandwich and not the giant vibrating dildo. All right, before we get to this week's listener response calls, let's read some listener tweets. Travis Starr tweets, Regarding episode 820, not all mammals sweat, Dan, L-O-L. For example, hippos do not have sweat glands, nor do rhinos. Whales, dolphins, and porpoises are marine mammals. Number one on the list, pigs, ironically, also do not sweat. And Dr. Adam Rosenblatt, PhD ecologist, alligator expert, root beer lover, tweets, FYI, Dan Savage, not all mammals sweat the way we do. And Dr. Rosenblatt in his tweet included a link to a book, The Joy of Sweat, The Strange Science of Perspiration by Sarah Everts. Everts writes, mildly contra Travis, that all mammals do have eccrine sweat glands, but not all mammals sweat like we do. And speaking of sweat, a quick shout out to all my listeners in the UK this week where record high temperatures are being set. I hope you're all staying cool and staying safe. Danger Manly tweets, a special Savage Lovecast episode, a recurring segment where Dan Savage answers yes, no questions with only yes or no answers and then moves on to the next question. Yes, we could do that. No reason why we couldn't. Pretty sure if I had to do a whole show like that, though, stick to yes or no answers, I would have an aneurysm. And finally, Melissa tweets, just slid into the back of a yellow taxi cab in NYC, and my first thought was of fake Dan Savage. Hashtag Savage Lovecast. Thank you for thinking of me, Melissa. I love New York City, and I love, as longtime listeners know, I love those classic big boxy yellow New York City taxi cabs for reasons. All right, if you want me to read your tweet on an upcoming episode of the Savage Lovecast, be sure to include the hashtag Savage Lovecast. And a big thank you, as always, to everyone who posted about the show to your social media this week. We really appreciate how our listeners help spread the word about the Savage Lovecast. All right, now listener feedback calls. Hi, I'm calling in response to the caller who has the boyfriend with the excessive sweatiness. Dude, Stop having your wife carry around your shirt for you. That's extremely unattractive. She's not your mommy putting a change of clothes in her diaper bag. Like, dude, be a fucking adult. Take responsibility for your own shit. Women get burdened with carrying the whole family's stuff everywhere. And it's completely unfair and unreasonable. And... Shoulder bags can cause back pain and shoulder pain and chest pain. And like, dude, just grow up and carry your own fucking shirt. Hi, I'm calling in response to episode 820, the bisexual mom who found her collection of sex toys pilfered by her teenage daughter in her daughter's room. One possibility is she could just let the daughter keep the sex toys and try not to make a big deal out of it. I mean, she wants the daughter to have an explore, healthy exploration of sexuality, and she said she hadn't used those toys in a long time. And she mentioned living vicariously through her daughter, and that should have been the more concerning, was the more concerning thing. The advice there is to make sure she talks to her husband about her desire to fuck a woman with a strap-on. She has that desire, and she's and feels trapped. She hopes she can do it again before she dies, she said. So it seems to me that she should be less focused on her daughter's sexuality and uh, should communicate more with the hu her husband so that she can um, take care of herself a little better. Uh, and then she'll be less focused on what her daughter is or isn't doing. This is for the guy in episode 820 who asked for tips to help him use they-them pronouns for his non-binary sibling. I'm a trans person who has been misgendered a lot, and I'm also working on correct use of non-binary pronouns myself, and I have three different tips for him. 
So tip number one is practice. Practice when you're by yourself. Before you spend time with your sibling while you're driving or going for a walk or whatever, just say out loud, I'm going to see my sibling tonight and I'm going to ask them how they've been and I'm going to cook them dinner and I'm going to ask them about the books they've been reading and so on. People learn language by speaking it and hearing it, so speaking it and hearing it is going to help you. Also, when you inevitably make a mistake in conversation, don't just go forward hoping that your sibling didn't notice. They definitely did notice. Instead, use this as an opportunity to practice the correct way, so back up and say it correctly. For example, if your sibling has changed their name from Stephanie to Stefan and is now using they, them pronouns, you can say, Stephanie said she read that book. I mean, Stefan said they read that book. Stefan, what did you think of the book? This communicates to them that you're working on it, and it also helps to reinforce the correct neural pathways that you are trying to build. My third suggestion is that human beings learn better in a positive environment than we do in a negative environment. So instead of being down on yourself for screwing up and saying, I suck at this, I'll never get it right, you want to be telling yourself, I'm working on this, I'm practicing this, I'm getting it right, congratulate yourself when you do get it right, keep at it, good luck, and thanks for making the effort. And we're going to leave it there. Got a question for next week's Lovecast or something to say? That's something I said on this week's Lovecast. Use the Voice Memo app on your phone to record your question or your comment and email it to us at voicemail at savagelovecast.com. You can also call us at 206-302-2064. Submissions for Hump Film Festival's 2023 show are now open. I'm excited to see all the homemade porn that will be submitted this year. Emphasis on the homemade. My amateur porn film festival is for everybody. 18 and up, you don't have to be a professional filmmaker. We feature every type of body, every sexual orientation, every sexual interest, fantasy, kink, including a sexual interest in vanilla sex. And if your submission makes it into the festival, you get a cut of ticket sales. So get creative, get horny, get something into us, and you won't just be making the world a sexier and more interesting place. You'll be making yourself some money too. Go to humpfilmfest.com slash submit for all the info you need. August 1st is National Girlfriend's Day. No better gift for a girlfriend who's a listener of the Lovecast than one of our Fuck First mugs. Get her one now at savage.love slash shop. And while you're on my website, be sure to read my advice column, Savage Love at savage.love slash savage love. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. Follow Lola Phoenix on Twitter at NonMonogamyHelp. And follow the tech savvy at Risk Youth on Twitter at Lovecast, T-S-A-R-Y. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech-savvy at Risk Youth and Nancy. And I'll be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading.